Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. So I want to start off today by asking you a question. And the question is, have you ever been wrong about someone or something? Have you ever been wrong? A while ago, I moved from Adelaide to Melbourne. I was about 16 at the time. And, um, you know, I was pretty happy that I was moving from Adelaide to Melbourne because Melbourne, I love Melbourne. Melbourne is the greatest place to live. Uh, maybe, maybe that belief has been challenged recently, um, but I still believe that Melbourne is the greatest place to live. So we moved over here to Melbourne. I was about the age of 16 at the time and I joined into a new school. Now, as I moved into this new high school, immediately, immediately, there was this person in my class who I just disliked. I don't know what it was about him, but he just ticked me off. Have you ever had someone in your life, and for some reason, you're not sure why, but they just frustrated you? Or maybe it's happening right now. Like there's someone in your life and you're not sure why they annoy you, but for some reason, they just get under your skin. Well, I had this experience at the age of 16 when I moved to this new school. There was this guy, this person, he just seemed so arrogant to me. He just seemed so up himself. And for some reason, I just didn't like him. Well, it's interesting because fast forward to now in 2020, I'm actually really good friends with this person. In fact, I love being around this person. He is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And honestly, after spending time with him, I feel lighter and I feel better than before I was meeting with him. And what I realized was I judged a book by its cover. I judged too early, way too early. And my judgment wasn't true. My judgment was false. I actually had to spend time with this person to fully understand them so I could fully appreciate them so I could get a better picture and just a better understanding of who they, were, who they are. I just realized in that moment that so often we can make judgments on things or on people and over time we can look back and realize, oh my goodness, I was so wrong about that thing. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you've judged a book by its cover and give it some time. In hindsight, looking back, you realize that you're way off with your judgment. You know, I think that as people, we find it so easy to judge. Myself, you too. We like to judge, don't we? You know, maybe I could even go as far to say we love to judge. And man, I've been seeing it recently on Facebook, on Instagram, in conversations with people. I feel like everyone has an opinion. Everyone has something to say about the leaders of our nations. Everyone has something to, something to say about Dan Andrews, a perfect example. Gosh, honestly, I feel a little bit sorry for that guy. Not that I totally agree um, with everything that he's doing as a leader, but I kind of feel sorry for him if I was to be honest, because man, he is really getting it at the moment, especially on social media. Like I, I, when I go through my feed on Facebook, I'm not sure if this is the same for you, but it just seems like everyone has something to say, like everyone has an opinion. And if I was going to be honest with you today, honestly, the vibe that I get when I read a lot of the stuff, I just get this, judgy vibe. I just get this vibe that people are really angry and instead of being motivated by love in what they're saying, 
maybe there's another motivation. There seems to be a lot of judging happening. And because of that, I believe that it is so important that we address this issue. The title of this sermon is Look in the Mirror. Yep, look in the mirror. We are going to be looking at the whole idea of judgment and judging others. And the way we're going to do that is by going to God's Word and seeing what Jesus has to say about it. Come on, I don't know about you, but when it comes to different issues in life, you know where I want to go to get some answers? I want to go to the Word of God because this thing is powerful. This thing is truth. And if Jesus says something, gosh, you can be sure that whatever He said is true. Did you know that Jesus literally said, that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It is written on the front of my Bible. It's literally written. So we're going to go today to the book of Matthew. We're going to go to chapter 7. We're going to read verses 1 to 5. We're going to break it down and look at what Jesus has to say about judging others because Jesus is the truth. Come on, give me an amen in the comment section. I think that deserves an amen. So come on, guys, let's get into it. But before I do, I just want to give you a little bit of context around this passage of Scripture because context is important. And if you read something and you don't have the right context, then you're going to draw conclusions from it that are maybe not true. So let's, let's look at the context. So Jesus said this over 2,000 years ago. And if he said it over 2,000 years ago, you can pretty much guarantee that things were a little bit different then than they are today. I'm sure you would agree. And one of the big differences is the culture in which Jesus was speaking. The culture 2,000 years ago was a lot different to the culture of today. And one of the big differences, big cultural differences, is that Jesus was speaking to people who've been brought up in an honour-shame society. They've been brought up in an honour-shame culture. Now, me and you, we haven't been brought up in that. Therefore, we're a little bit different compared to the people back then. So what does this mean, honor shame culture, honor shame society? What does that actually mean? Well, basically what it means is the people that Jesus is speaking to, they valued how other people perceive them greater than anything else. It was the most important thing and mattered more to them than money and mattered more to them than relationships and mattered more to them than anything. Being respected within the community was the most important thing for these people. And now, here is the problem with that. If what you value most is how other people perceive you, what that does is that can cultivate pride within you. And one of the symptoms of a prideful person is a judgmental attitude. So the people that Jesus is talking to have a problem with judgment. And that is why Jesus is addressing it in his Sermon on the Mount. Now, I think it's also relevant to us today for a lot of the reasons I spoke about earlier. But I think like the people at the time, I think that Christians, people who have grown up in church, can sometimes also be a little bit prideful. Just like the people Jesus is talking to who've been brought up in an honor-shame society, I think people who've been brought up in church, who've just been surrounded by it their whole life, and I was one of those people, I think that we can get a little bit prideful because we've been brought up to really value morals. 
And here's the thing, when you really value living morally right, but that's disconnected from love for people and love for, love for God, that can cause you to become prideful. And one of the symptoms of being prideful is being judgmental. So I think this is super relevant to us, just like it was relevant to them at the time. So hopefully you're primed and you're ready to hear what Jesus has to say about judging. Come on, let's see what Jesus said. So in your Bibles, if you haven't got them open yet, or if you don't have your phone open, go to the Bible app, go to the book of Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 1 to 5. This is what Jesus says. He says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is not messing around in this passage. The first thing he says, the very first thing levels us. He says, what does he say? Judge not that you not be judged. Judge not that you not be judged. Now, here is the thing that many of us don't realize about judging others. We don't realize that when we take people to trial, we are actually putting ourselves on trial. So when you judge another person, so in your heart, what you're doing is you are taking them to trial. What we don't realize is we are actually bringing ourselves to trial too. We're actually putting ourselves on trial as well. That is one of the things that we don't realize. One of, one of the shows I used to watch a fair bit when I was younger, now I'm not sure I'm that, I'm that proud of this, but I'm just going to say it anyway, is I used to watch Judge Judy. Judge Judy. Maybe some of you are a fan of Judge Judy. If you're a fan, let us know in the comments. So I used to watch this. The reason why I watched it wasn't because I really loved the show. It was just because it was on at a convenient time. All of the 90s kids, um, give me a shout out in the comments. Did you used to come home from school and Judge Judy used to be on TV like it was for me? Well, I would get home from school and Judge Judy just happened to be on TV. So I'd sit on the couch and I'd start to watch. And this is what I noticed about this show, Judge Judy. So often, it was actually the persecutor so it was actually the person who dragged someone else along to court who ended up being judged by Judge Judy and looking like the dummy. Like 50-50. It could have gone either way. It was so often, it was that person who thought they were wronged, who thought they were right. So they would drag another person along to court and expect Judge Judy to have a go at them. But actually what ends up happening, because Judge Judy is more objective, she sees the whole situation and she ends up judging the person who judged the other person. What we don't understand so often when we are judging others, when we are taking people to trial in our hearts, is we are actually putting ourselves on trial. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Apostle Paul says something awesome. And we need to lean into this and hear it today. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that, guess what, everybody? We're all going to be judged. No one's escaping judgment. A day is coming, judgment day, for those who love Terminator, or the day of the Lord, um, who people love their, for the people who love their theology. A day is coming when Jesus Christ, who's been given authority to judge by the Father, He's going to judge everybody. He's not just going to judge me. He's going to judge you too. He's going to judge believers, unbelievers, angels, so fallen angels, demons, and Satan. Everyone will be judged one day. But here's the difference between the judgment of Jesus and our judgment. The judgment of Jesus is true and it is just. Jesus is God. Jesus is all-knowing. He can see everything. Therefore, when Jesus judges, it's just. It's just. And Jesus has been given authority to do it from the Father, where we, me and you, we haven't been given that authority. Also, the judgment of Jesus, it is objective, where our judgment is subjective. You know, me and you, when we judge someone, we don't like to face this fact, but we are so biased. We are so biased towards ourselves. We can only see everything from our own perspective. Whereas Jesus, when he judges, he sees the whole perspective. The judgment of Jesus is just, where ours is unjust. We are subjective, where Jesus is objective. So, the next time you go to judge someone, you have to remember that your judgment could be biased. And maybe, just maybe, you could live to actually regret it or be embarrassed by the judgment. So that is how Jesus starts off this passage. We're only through one verse, guys. So let's get into a few more verses and see what Jesus has to say next. So Jesus goes on to say this in verse 3. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Now, the first time I read that, honestly, the first time I ever read it, I had no idea what it meant and I just skipped, skipped it, moved on. Um, I'm just going to be honest. The first time I ever read this, a few years ago, maybe longer, maybe it was longer than a few years ago, um, maybe it was like 10 years ago. But the first time I read this, honestly, I didn't get it. But we need to get this. Because this is amazing teaching from Jesus on judging others. What Jesus is saying, he's saying so often what we do is we see the speck, which is the small flaw in another person, right? We see that and immediately we just call them out on it. And we are totally oblivious to the fact that we not just have a speck, a small flaw, but we have a log so a massive log in our own eye, meaning we have our own brokenness, our own sin, our own issues. We are blind to it. And yet we have the audacity to call out the small flaw, the small speck in another person's life. How crazy is that, that we do that? And we do it so often. And I love the imagery that Jesus gives because remember, Jesus is a carpenter. That's why he's talking about specks. He's talking about logs. But the key thing that you need to get here is so often we see the small flaw and yet totally neglect the massive flaws in our own 
lives. Here is a problem I notice in myself and other people. We are quick to see the speck. So we're quick to see the speck in another person, the small flaw. But we're so slow to see the massive log in our own eye or the massive flaw in our own life. And do you want to know the reason? It's because we all have blind spots. I have blind spots and you have blind spots. No one, no one is immune to blind spots. A few years ago, when I was living at my parents' place, before I got married to my beautiful wife, Amy, shout out to Amy Wynn, um, I was driving home. I can't remember what I was driving home from, but I went to park around the back of the house. And um, often there's a lot of cars at my parents' place um, because, I don't know, they're always entertaining or stuff's going on. So there's often a lot of cars. And I went around the back and I went to park my car. Now, you know, I just did the usual three-point turn and I went to back into a spot. But as I was backing back, thump, I smashed into something. And immediately my heart sank because I knew that whatever I just hit, it was probably important. So I got out of the car and I looked and to my horror, I'd backed into my mum's new car and I was shattered. I couldn't believe it. And what really annoyed me about it was the fact that I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't on the phone. I wasn't sending messages. I wasn't distracted. I thought that I was actually driving pretty well. I thought I had all of my wits about me, but apparently not because I just backed into my mum's car but what I learned from that was, if we're not aware of our blind spots, we cause damage. You see, I was driving a new car at the time and my car was a bit of a chunky car. It's the car I drive now, uh, the SUV, the black one. And I wasn't aware of the blind spots in my car. It wasn't good enough to just check the mirrors. I had to do a full like 360 turn with my head if I wanted to really know what's happening all around me, but I didn't do that. And because of that, I ended up causing damage. I ended up backing into my mum's car. I wonder how often you've caused damage unintentionally in people's lives because you're unaware of your own blind spots. You see, we all have blind spots, all of us. Whether you are a new Christian, a non-Christian, whether you've been journeying with Jesus for years and years, whether you're a pastor, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what status you have, all people have blind spots. And the reason for that is because of the origin of blind spots. You want to know where your blind spots are coming from? You want to know, Bright Church? It's coming from your sinful nature. We all have a sinful nature. And now some people may be listening and you may think to yourself, well, hold on a second. I gave my life to Jesus, right? You know, I was baptized even in this church, in this room, over to the side here. Maybe you got baptized and, you know, baptized, what does it represent? It means you're plunging under as you are dying and then you are raising again as a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? It is a physical representation of something spiritually that is happening. So you may be thinking, hey, I've been, I've been born again. 
I don't have my sinful nature anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I don't have blind spots. Well, here's the thing you've got to understand. Even though you may have accepted Jesus into your life, and yes, even though you are a new creation, that doesn't mean your sinful nature has necessarily gone away. One of my favorite verses is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, when Paul says the old has passed away and the new has come, so your sinful nature, your old self has passed away and the new has come, he doesn't mean that your old sinful nature has passed away and just disappeared. That is not what Paul is saying. He's saying your identity and who you are used to be found in your old sinful nature. But now your identity and who you are is found in the new creation that you have in Christ Jesus. So even though you are this new creation in Christ Jesus, which is amazing, by the way, and your identity is found there, that doesn't mean that you're not still carrying around your sinful nature because every now and then you'll fall back into it. But remember, when you fall back into it, you're falling into something that is no longer you. So we are all a work in progress and we all still have a sinful nature. And some of us are further along the sanctification journey than others, meaning some of us have become more like Jesus than others, maybe just because we've been walking with Jesus for a longer amount of time. But the truth is we all still have that sinful nature that we carry. Now, here is why that is important. Because our sinful nature does stuff. Okay, this is what your sinful nature can do to you. Ready? These are just a few things. It's not everything, just a few things. So your sinful nature will get you obsessed with what is out there. You know, what is wrong out there instead of what is wrong in here, in your own heart. Your sinful nature fixates on the negatives all the time. Will fixate on the negatives in people rather than seeing the positives. Your sinful nature will also cause you to compare yourself to others and in this weird way, just happen to bring you out on top every time, which is really funny, I think. And here's another thing that your sinful nature can do. It will fool you into self-deception and judgmentalism. Your sinful nature fools you into thinking you don't have blind spots when you really do. I wonder what they are. So the question is, gosh, Jesus said, I've got this log in my eye, right? So the question is, what do we do about it? What do we do about the log that is in our eye? Especially since it's blinding us, so we're deceived, we can't even see it. What are we supposed to do about that Jesus? Like, what do we do? And that is an amazing question. And this part takes humility. Logs are diagnosed with mirrors. You need mirrors in your life. Every Tuesday night, not at the moment because of COVID restrictions, but every Tuesday night for the last, you know, three, five years, my family will come together on a Tuesday and have dinner together. Family dinner. If you love family dinner, let me know in the chat. So we'd come together for family, for family dinner, and it's an amazing time. I love it. I love chatting with my family. You know who I really love chatting to in my family? My sister. My awesome sister, Michaela Wynn, who is the amazing kids pastor here at Bright Church. 
Now, one of the things about my sister that you probably don't know is that she is an amazing mirror. It only takes her about 60 seconds or a couple of minutes of speaking to my sister before I realize some of the flaws in my own life. Because my sister is not afraid to call them out. It doesn't take her long to tell me that I'm arrogant. It doesn't take her long um, to let me know that maybe my body isn't as good as it used to look. It doesn't take her long to let me know that my facial hair doesn't look that great. You know, my sister is amazing. She's a great mirror. And, I, you know, I'm joking. Obviously, I am joking, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, the truth is my sister actually does give me great feedback. And she's not afraid to do it. And the reason I can receive it because I know that she loves me so much. And she actually helps me to improve on myself and get better. I'm so grateful that I have someone like my sister in my life to call me out and to, to see the blind spots and let me know about them because I can't see them, but she can see them. She's a mirror in my life. She helps me get, big, get bigger. No, she helps me get better. <laughs> At Bright Church, we really value feedback. We really value feedback. You want, you want to know why? because we want to make it better. And you want to know why we want to make it better? Because we believe in our mission. If you forgot it, our mission, your mission as a part of Bright Church, if you're a partner here, by the way, if you're not a partner, make sure you go along to Growth Track. So anyway, the mission of Bright Church is we will do anything, anything short of sin to see people saved, free, equipped and sent in Jesus' name. It is our mission and we believe in it. Therefore, we will do anything to make us better at what we do, even have uncomfortable conversations. We'll get feedback from one another. I'll come up, I'll MC on some Sundays, then afterwards I'll have a funny conversation with someone where they're like, oh Matt, did you actually realise that, um, you know, you said good morning about 20 times and it was the 6 p.m. night service? You know, that happens to me all the time. Seriously, I have a problem. But that is an example of great feedback. We all need mirrors in our life. We all need people who are going to give us feedback because we are blind to our blind spots. I need mirrors. You need mirrors. We all need mirrors. So you want some examples of mirrors? I've already given you a few. Here are some more examples. Small group. Number one, small group. If you're not in a small group, make sure you get in a small group. Being in a small group is like being surrounded by a bunch of encouraging mirrors. People who love you, they care about you. And what the people in your small group will do is they are invested in you and they want you to become better. And they are gonna be able to see things in your life that you can't see and they will help you to improve on those things. So if you wanna grow in likeness to Jesus, then you need mirrors, you need to get into a small group. That is a great example. Here's another example. I probably don't even need to say it. Your spouse, your wife, your husband, in fact, they volunteer to be mirrors. You know, they don't even, even ask for permission. They just let you know about your problems. Can I get a witness? Actually, my wife is amazing. She just says all the great things about me all the time, but I'm only in my second year of marriage, so maybe that will change. That's what people tell me. Anyway, moving on. Your spouse, second mirror. Third mirror. I love this mirror. This almost came out on top as my favorite mirror, but there is one better. I'll get to it in a moment. But the second best mirror you can have, I think, is this. Am I showing it? Yep, there we go. The Bible. The Bible is an amazing mirror. The Bible will level you as you read it. It will transform you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through this thing. If you don't have a daily discipline for reading the Bible, maybe you've got to get one because the Bible will help you to notice some of the flaws in your life and it won't condemn you. It will just convict you. 
it will just encourage you to be better. So if you're not reading the Bible, maybe you've got to start reading the Bible. Because I reckon if you're someone who carries a really judgmental attitude and is quick to see the flaws out there, maybe it's because you're not spending enough time in God's Word. Maybe it's because you're not spending enough time with Jesus. So that's the second mirror. Actually, no, that's the third mirror. I can count, ladies and gentlemen. So number four, ready? This is my fourth mirror for you today. And this is my favorite. It's my favorite. And maybe the reason it's my favorite is because I am a Pentecostal Christian. Hallelujah. And that is the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit is the greatest mirror. We carry the Holy Spirit with us wherever we go. Where we go, the Holy Spirit goes. The Holy Spirit is with us. And this is one of the awesome things that the Holy Spirit will do. It will just nudge you. It will just convict you, just give you a little nudge and let you know when maybe you've done something which was more in line with your old sinful self and not so much aligned with your new creation self in Jesus. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will nudge you. The Holy Spirit will let you know when maybe you're about to post something that you shouldn't post. Have you ever had a moment when you're about to like write something or send something and you just stop and you go, oh, maybe not. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict you and maybe it will remind you later on of something that you did wrong and it will bring up emotions in you of maybe that you should ask for forgiveness or maybe you should reach out to that person and say, hey, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to do that. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit guides us. So my question to you, if you are someone who is quick to judge and you've already self-identified as being maybe one of those people, my, my, my question to you is how often are you feeling those nudges from the Holy Spirit? How often are you feeling those convictions? Because if you're not feeling them on a regular basis, maybe, just maybe, you've stopped walking in the Spirit. And your first step is to start walking in the Spirit again. In Matthew 5.3, at the start of this sermon, now remember what we're reading here about judging, this is just a small part of the biggest sermon that Jesus is preaching. At the start of the sermon, Jesus says something pretty cool. He says this in Matthew 5, 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So basically Jesus is saying, Blessed are those who know they need help, for they're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now that is pretty cool and relates to what I'm talking about. Because, you know, mirrors, even though they're great, they are totally ineffective unless you have a teachable spirit. So basically, the mirrors in your life, even if you're surrounded by them, if you are not teachable, if you are not humble or poor in spirit, as Jesus says, unless you're one of those people, those mirrors are going to be completely ineffective. You will hear the feedback. You will receive it, but you won't apply anything. Now, how do you get a poor spirit? Or how do you become teachable and humble? Well, this is how that happens. You have a revelation of your own sin. Revelation of your own sin will humble you. It will cause you to have a poor spirit. You will be teachable. And therefore, when the mirrors in your life let you know that maybe you're not perfect, you're actually going to receive it and you're going to improve. You're going to get better. And therefore, your blind spots, they'll no longer cause you to be someone 
who damages other people, they'll be dealt with because you'll actually be reaping the rewards of the mirrors in your life because you'll be able to receive the feedback that people are giving. So you gotta, you gotta get yourself a poor spirit. You gotta become teachable. And that comes through revelation of your own sin. And if you need revelation of your own sin, gosh, all you gotta do, just spend time with God. Just spend time with Jesus. Make room for it in your life. And as you start to do that, God will start to reveal things to you. And before you know it, you're gonna be more like Jesus. You're gonna be more teachable. The sad truth is, Bright Church, and anyone else who's watching and maybe doesn't call Bright Church their home yet, the sad truth is, honestly, honestly, I don't think we're fully living up to, fully living up to the people that Jesus wants us to be. Not fully. Like, I think we do a pretty good job sometimes, but I think so often we fall short. My question is, how do you view yourself? And how do you think other people view you as a follower of Jesus? You know, I think if I walked up to a random person who doesn't know God, who's never been to church, and I asked them to describe a Christian for me, to describe a follower of Jesus, I wonder what they would say. I wonder what they would say about you. I wonder what they would say about me. And you know, I think for a long time, one of the words used to describe us has been judgmental. I think that's been one of the words. And honestly, I think that in the world, we're not very liked. We're pretty disliked. Now, I understand that we live in a broken world. I get that. And I understand that evil exists in three forms, you know, Satan, our own flesh, and also in the world. I understand that. I understand we live in a broken world. I understand we live in a world that is anti-Jesus and we are for Jesus and therefore we're going to feel opposition. I get that. But guess what? We still live in this world and Jesus has still called us to reach it. And I think in this passage of Scripture, Jesus gives us the first step in reaching this broken world around us. I think the purpose of what Jesus has said here and what He's trying to get across, I think at the end of the day, what He is saying to us is this. Less fingers, less pointing, less blaming, less seeing the negative, less seeing the speck in people and more thumbs, more looking in the mirror, more weighing our own heart. Jesus is saying, hey, less fingers, more thumbs, less blaming, less calling people out, less judging and more looking in the mirror because we ain't perfect. I think that is at the heart of what Jesus is saying here. And I think as followers of Jesus, we are so easy. We so easily forget this, so easily. You know, I'm so grateful that we have a God, that we have a Saviour that was up in heaven hanging out with the Holy Spirit and the Father. I'm so happy that He was up in heaven and when He looked down and He saw our brokenness and when He saw our sin and when He saw our flaws, when He saw all of the sin, when He saw the gluttony, when He saw the sexual immorality, when He saw the greed, when He saw it all, I'm so happy that Jesus didn't just look down at it and say, oh my goodness, look at them. 
Oh my goodness, they are so pathetic. Oh my goodness, have a look at this, Holy Spirit. Have a look at this, Father. I'm so happy that Jesus didn't just look down and see us and leave us in it. I'm so grateful for that. What did Jesus do? He came down into our brokenness. He left His God status behind in heaven. He didn't have to, He chose to. He came down into our brokenness when we didn't deserve it. And what did He do? He died for us. He helped us. He rescued us from our sin. He rescued us from death. We didn't deserve it. We did nothing to deserve it. But Jesus saw the floor. He saw the brokenness. He came down into this broken world for you and He died for you. Jesus has the authority to judge. He could have just judged us, but no, He decided to save us instead. Let me read to you John 3, 16 to 17. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Other translations say He did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus gave us a model for living. And in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 7, 1 to 5, it tells us what it is. Number one, Look in the mirror and realise that you have a log in your eye. Realise that you're flawed. Number two, number two, remove the log and repent. Number three, now you can see clearly to see some of the flaws in people and maybe in this world. And number four, be motivated by love to go and help people and make a positive difference. Jesus didn't just see the flaws out there and just call it out and leave it like we so often do in our Facebook posts. What did Jesus do? Jesus saw the brokenness and He went out. He went out there and He did something about it. He saved us. And that's what we're supposed to do too. And it just it's, it starts at simply stopping to point, stop pointing, stop judging, and start weighing your own life weighing yourself. It's time that we looked in the mirror. So what I want to do now is I want to pray. I'm believing that at some point throughout this message, if this, if judging, judgmentalism is a problem for you, I believe in faith that the Holy Spirit will have convicted you of it and you already know. You already know. The Holy Spirit's convicted you of it through this message. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in the room right now, wherever you are, speaking to people, especially to people who struggle in this area. And I want to pray for you because I'm believing that God is going to do something amazing in your heart right now. I pray He's going to heal your heart. I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to fill you with love so that, yes, you'll still be someone who maybe see some of the flaws out there, but the difference is now you're going to be motivated by love and now you're actually going to make a difference for Jesus. So right now, if that's you, if you struggle with judgmentalism, the Holy Spirit's convicted you, I just want you to hold out your hands and I'm going to pray. Dear God, we're not perfect. We're messed up. We are. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that 
even though we constantly let you down, we constantly sin and stuff up, that you still love us so much and that you can use us. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for people today who have maybe had a problem with judging others and have maybe been too fixated on all of the negatives rather than focusing on some of the positives. Maybe they've been more concerned with just getting their opinion out there rather than actually being motivated by love and moved by the Holy Spirit to go and make a difference. God, I'm praying for those people. God, they're recognizing it right now. They've got their hands out or maybe in their heart, they're just identifying with it. They're saying, yeah, that's me. God, you can see it. You can see it. You can see those people. So Father, right now, I pray that you would just blow a wind of your Holy Spirit into those people. And I pray that you would start to do something in the depths of their being. God, I pray that you would do a work in their heart. God, I pray that you would take out the anger, take out the frustration, take out all of those feelings that don't really belong to them, God. And I pray that you would replace all of those negative emotions, those feelings with some of the fruit of the Spirit, God. I pray that you'll just fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. And I pray that the main emotion that they start to feel right now is just an abundance of love. Love for you and love for people. I pray that they just feel an overflowing, an abundance, a waterfall of love just rush over them. In Jesus' name, I pray for that. God, I thank you that you're doing something right now in people's lives. I thank you that chains are breaking. I thank you that from this point onwards, that people are going to be different. God, we love you so much. We thank you so much that you are God. You are a God who actually wants to help us. You, you don't just leave us where, where we are, God, but you, you take us to new levels. You help us find our next step. And God, I thank you for the people who've taken a step today. I love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.